When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to The Art Detective with me, Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I'm an Oxford art historian, a lecturer and a broadcaster But most importantly, I'm your chief investigator of images. Every week I'm joined by an able assistant and today I am actually in Paris, sweet Paris in the springtime. I'm joined by Christophe Leribaud, who is the director of Le Petit Palais Art Gallery and Museum. Christophe, thank you so much. I have hijacked you from uh, another talk we were doing together and dragged you over to a cafe to do an art detective with me. <laughs> but just to tell, tell the art detective listeners a bit about your background and your work at Le Petit Palais. The Petit Palais is, is a city museum uh, with a nice collection, but also a very nice building. It dates from the Universal Exhibition of Paris 1900, uh, with a funny architecture, a lot of ornament, uh, golden gates and so on, and a hidden garden. It's a place when you can go first to drink a cup of tea. And, and, and second, you can visit the, the collection, which is a free entrance museum, like in the British way. So we have also a lot of uh, temporary exhibitions. But uh, the permanent collection is interesting. It's not a highly encyclopedic collection. We have a bit of everything, but uh, some, with some gaps and some periods for which, on the contrary, we have a lot of things, like the Belle Epoque yes. collection, which is also the date of the of the buildings, but also Greek vases and the paintings by uh, Courbet or 18th century French uh, Greuze and, uh, and Fragonard. Well, I was delighted to get a personal tour with you yesterday, and I had never been there before. I've been to Le Grand Palais, but I've never been to Le Petit Palais. And, and the building itself is magical, with its floating staircases that you pointed out to me made in concrete but there's this this wonderful richness to all the surface decoration the painting i was really struck going around le petit palais by by the strength of its collection particularly in the end of the 19th century going into the 20th century that's a time really we could describe as le belle époque the beautiful age it's, what sort of timings have we got for that yes it's a period of an incredible optimism where uh, architects try new experiment new techniques uh, artists are so happy to 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 use uh, as much as possible the colors and they do not hesitate to work on the large scale and to mix uh, painting but with sculpture but also they are very interested in ornament and furniture uh, we have to imagine people with dress who are designed with the same patterns and then the, the wallpaper <laughs> and their books and everything it, it's a wonderful uh, period sometimes a little vulgar uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but artists and people do not hesitate to mm. try things. So it's a very uh, interesting and enjoyable period. And could we say then that it's 1880 to 1914, or is that still too broad? It's, I think the 80s are a little more serious than uh-huh. the really 1900s, which are a real period of uh, when French have recovered uh, po- a powerful uh, space in, in Europe, which is a very short period because, as you know, after <laughs> this is a nightmare of the First World War. But at that, at that time, with the colonial expansion also and, uh, um, and, and all the conquest of technology, uh-huh. uh, you know, the movie theater, so many new things uh, underground and... Uh, uh, people in Paris could think that uh, the new century will be uh, s- such a better times than the former one. Yeah, so, that, so the artwork that we're looking at really is from the height of this Belle Epoque, this beautiful age, isn't it? Do you want to give us the title of it? It's a, it's a portrait, a portrait of this famous actress, Sarah Bernard. It dated, in fact, much a little earlier, in 1876, mm-hmm. but it gave a, a, an idea of what will be the development of the, the Art Nouveau uh, later. Uh, Sarah Bernard was some, the type of woman who created new fashion, so her portrait if it wasn't dated, if we didn't know it was exhibited at a salon and so on, we would we will, we thought it would be much later. Yes, you could put it at 1920, 1930. It's got that sort of decadence, hasn't it? It's absolutely stunning. And I saw this when you took me around Le Petit Palais. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's two and a half metres high by two metres wide. And the colour, the luxury of this portrait... It's just astonishing, but it's painted 1876. And what do we know about the artist? Georges Clérin um, made some um, Orientalist uh, paintings, but a lot of portraits. He made some uh, larger scale paintings to decorate of the world. At that time, there was a real need for the artist to recover the, all the new monuments and new buildings you know, we were, we were uh, building every, everywhere in the, in the city. He made decorations for the theater, but he was especially attracted by uh, Sarah Bernard. Mm-hmm. I think he, he was among the, um, her lovers. Okay. She had, she had many others. She had lots of lovers. But, but, <laughs> but, but she, he stayed with her anyway, uh-huh. and he died, by the way, in Belle-Île-en-Mer, in his um, countryside uh, home. Uh-huh. And she, he stayed always very uh, connected with, with Sarah Bernard, even if Sarah Bernard, uh, you, you know, have uh, rich lovers and uh, mm. artists and uh, bankers. <laughs> but Clérin was fascinated by Sarah Bernard. He made several portraits of her, but this one is the main one, the larger one, the one the most famous, which has been displayed in the in the in the salons, in the official exhibition of the of the state, which takes place every every year. And it's itself, it's a promotion of herself. She, she was famous at that time as a young uh, sociétaire de la Comédie Française, a young actress at the, at the State Theatre. Mm. But she wasn't so, so famous. And suddenly at the Salon, we have an incredible portrait, large case. She's, very, she's looking to the visitors, you know. With, she uh, really is. I mean, that's the thing that strikes me about this. She, I mean, I think she's gorgeous. I can see why he was obsessed with her, because she is, there's these stunning eyes. And, um, and actually, the way that he's painted her, she is really in 
command of this scene, isn't she? There's this this wonderful serpentine flow to her, and, and this incredible collection of, I suppose, lays and feathers, and and the dog, of course, echoing the shape. Um, it's all very sensual, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it seems that the, the, the dog is, is part of the shape of her dress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and strangely enough, the, the dog is lying on a first, yeah. <laughs> which is a little strange. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a mix of a luxurious atmosphere, a little orientalist, uh, with a lot of velvet and silk and uh, uh, exotic uh, plants. Uh-huh, and the, the orientalist aspect of this is important, isn't it? It's, it's coming through in the academy and paintings that are coming being you know, officially drawn but it's it's a cultural phenomenon that France is opening up its 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 imagination to the east and yeah, the, to the exotic isn't there is it some, there is some souvenir to the odalisque and uh, but, but she's not naked by the way no. she's a wonderful she has a wonderful dress of uh, I imagine the Grey white silk. Yes. And which is so, but it's very strange. Um, instead of the usually the, the women's apparel are quite. Um, what do you say? Um, she, buxom, bu- bu- buxom, <laughs> buxom and broad and and yeah, fleshy. But yes. she's very very slim, she's isn't very, she? Very slim. Which yeah. Is not the fashion at that time. She created this fashion. Okay, so she is sort of the pioneer of this slim, sexy new look. That's. That's strange that she succeeded to be very famous, mm. being different from the, the stereotype of the period. She really she succeeded to self-impose her, her own style. So she, so she is famous though, isn't she? I mean, we're talking actress, she's a stage actress, but we are coming into the dawning of cinema, of the, the change that will see these, these people elevated to superstar legend. Was she very recognisable? Was she a big part of the Parisian scene? Because she, be, she became she became really like a diva. She was world world uh, famous actress. She was performing in the in the, in the deep um, South America. Really travelling to, to, to Manaus. She had trials in uh, in, um, in Buenos Aires or born in Russia. She went several times, she makes several tours of the world, and each time she arrived at the airport of New York, there was a crowd welcoming her, and the people giving her uh, tons of flowers and so on. It's totally crazy. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. So that is serious superstar and, and level. She, and she performed in French, <laughs> a serious play by Racine and so on, but she was, she was welcome, like a real star, and you can imagine that uh, 80% of the people were there to wait her at the airport, couldn't understand uh, the French language. Bizarre. But anyway, she was the, the star. <laughs> I love this idea that they can't even understand what the play is about, but they're the celebrity of her. So, I mean, this is a dawning age of celebrity, isn't it? Particularly females. Um, La Belle Epoque, that, that is a time when I suppose we see women starting to develop their own sense of, of self-worth, but identity and freedom. They're coming out of the home and into the theatres, into the cabaret bars. Um, this is a big moment of social change, isn't it, La Belle Epoque? Of course, uh, the huge space for, for, the, for the woman at the top of the society, uh, but also she was a businesswoman, uh-huh. you know. Uh, she knew very well how to organise a, a theatre. She also create, asked to great uh, artists like Musha, Mura, uh, for the posters, so she knew what was the promotion of the artist. Oh, she actually place. commissioned those sorts of, of course, p- yes, images. Of course, okay, so we, they're so famous now, aren't they? I mean, we think of the Musha. Le Chat Noir, the famous sort of advertising posters, mm-hmm. and so she's behind all of that 
pants as well. Yeah, of course, wonderful uh, postures. She asked Misha to design also her jewelry and a lot of things in her home. Uh, she, she was very clever to promote uh, her character, her works. And she also made herself a lot of sculpture. She could sometimes sell to the pe all the people who were um, when she arrived in, in a foreign country, um, she, she obtained, of course, huge amount of money to, to perform in such a theatre, but you could also sell her, some of her artworks. You showed me one, didn't you, Christophe? It was, it was like, a, I suppose, a sabre or something. It was a sculpture made of metal. And how would you describe it? It sort of, it, it had a, a sh relatively sharp side, but it's not a functioning object. It's a sculpture. It's a, it's an art piece. Yeah. She, she, she had a home in, in Belle-Ile, uh, in the south of uh, Brittany, and she makes sculpture from algas. So she made molds of the, of the algas, and then she creates strange objects. Oh my gosh, so she's molding seaweed, algae, things mm -hmm. that she's finding, mm -hmm. and then sculpting, yeah. casting from yes. them. And God, that's weird. Doing bronze with that. It's a very early step of the, of the Art Nouveau aesthetic. Yes, yes, because of the natural world kind of creeping in with the, with the metallic and with the industrial. I find it fascinating. And, it, and it, it was a very strange object you showed me. But she's clever, isn't she? Because she takes these almost as merchandise mm -hmm. and sells them when she's abroad. And that pays for her to keep up her heady lifestyle, doesn't it? Because she's almost on the brink of bankruptcy quite a few times. Of course, because you have a, a standing of life incredible and uh, you can imagine a lot of people working for her. And she was running a, a theatre in, in Paris, which was always going to collapse. Which was her theatre then, do you know? Le Théâtre Sarah Bernard. Sa oh, it's actually called after her, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but she was very good, in fact, to, to find each time a new solution to save her. <laughs> and uh, when she died, it was it's, her burial was incredible with uh, millions of people on the streets, like the burial of Victor Hugo. Wow. So she really is an icon of her time. So the fact that we're seeing this painting of her, what is it, do you think, that makes this painting so innovative? Because to me, this looks modern. This looks, this looks eye-catching, vibrant. It's unlike anything else I've seen. What is it for you that, that is so distinctive? At the line of her, of her body and the, the dress, the dog, uh, it, it creates uh, an it's an incredible, uh, uh, striking image. Mm. Uh, we have a lot of society portraits of li life, uh, nice woman and uh, woman, the, the bunker's pose. Yeah, and they're always uh, sort of quite static or mm -hmm. still, always. Um, I mean, there are some interesting shapes coming in in the portraiture, aren't there? Mm -hmm. So in this, this time of the belly pock, I suppose women want to be seen as a bit more free in their portraits. Mm -hmm. But this is, is totally different, isn't it? Because it has got that, that serpentine feeling. She is in control completely, isn't she? She looks really like a modern sphinx. Absolutely. Looking at us, uh, like we, we wonder if she will destroy us like the others. <laughs> Good point, though. There is a certain mystical quality here that, you know, yeah, will we turn to stone in her gaze, you know? But um, but I think also the luxury of her surroundings, the red of that that um, drapery that's that she's reclining, reclining on. But I suppose for me as well, this this, to me, is quite a strong image of femininity yeah. because she's completely in control, isn't she? It's not a trophy portrait. 
no. not the portrait of a, of, 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 of a rich heir of a strong tradition, not the portrait of a, the, the, the widow of someone very rich. She, we feel that she has paid herself, the painter, the dress, the hotel particulier in the Parc Monceau. That's her own successful... Uh... Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. She portrayed her own success. But that is so important, isn't it? Because right up until this point, really, right up until the, the last century, women were always being um, pictured in art by other people. So male patrons would want a nude of their mistress or they'd want something titillating in the bedroom, but, but never in their own right. I think you're absolutely right, Christophe. I think what she looks like is, I am the patron. I have paid for this piece of work and I know how I want to be represented. And that makes it radical, I think. Um, are there other images of its time that are looking like this now? Because in Le Petit Palais, there's another reclining um, woman on the opposite side. How, do they con how does this stand up against the others? Then you have my question. So uh, uh, with a portrait of Madame de Lancet mm -hmm. by Carolus Durand, another society artist very uh, famous at that time. But Madame de Lancet was a woman who, uh, she wasn't a prostitute, but she, she managed to have uh, three or four husbands, you know, one after the others. Uh, so she was quite a successful woman, but she, that's uh, not at all like, like Sarah Bernard. We, 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 create, we, we made our success from her work as an actress, as a creator. Can so we say then that Sarah Bernard was not, she wasn't a courtesan, she wasn't a prostitute, that, that area of her life? I said, uh, perhaps at the real beginning, but mm. she was really, um, she was more than, than this, really. Exactly, more than the sum of that, because that's, that's again something we're seeing with La Belle Epoque, this beautiful <laughs> age, that the women may start out in small ways moving the way upwards but, but to be able to break that social barrier to go to superstar levels to be a businesswoman to be a, her own marketing agent to, to market her identity her, her brand she is unique she's so interesting um, we were talking earlier weren't we about 
Things like the Moulin Rouge becoming a part of La Belle Epoque and, and this idea of dance, movement and most importantly, entertainment. Do you think that really is a key to understanding you know, this painting? She was a more serious actress. Mm. She brought from great character mm. in the dramatic, like Le, L'Aiglon by Edmond Rostand. You create some very strong character of the theatre of that time by Victorien Sardou, by other artists. So she wasn't uh, dancing on the cabaret. She was a, a great actress uh, performing in, a, in important scenes. So, so it's a, again, it's a, I suppose it's, it's the way it's filtering down through society, isn't it? Because. With the Moulin Rouge, you've got the idea that working girls, working class people can move their way up through the cabaret and possibly even marry in to high society. There is a sense of social mobility at this stage, isn't there? Um, and do you, I mean, this, this image, although it's 1876, did you say? To you, is this an image of La Belle Epoque? Yes, because of the style, uh -huh. it's, uh, it could have been done at the Belle Epoque, but, but it's, it's different. You, you, I don't think that when you see this portrait, you, you think you could got married with, with her. No. She's, a, she's a diva, a, a, god, a living goddess. But, uh, no, no, you wouldn't want to marry her. No, no. She looks too fiery, doesn't she? But I think also this idea of the expansion of the French Empire at this stage, after the Franco-Prussian Wars, there's this period of recovery, isn't there, where um, they are going out trading and, and, and connecting with exotic places and bringing back Exotica. And I suppose one of the people that in the UK, I suppose we think about most as epitomizing that would be someone like Picasso, because Picasso shows the influence of Orientalism, of... Um, you, different exotic influences in his art. But is this something that's coming through the academy as well? Is there a, a sense of the oriental and the exotic coming out in these large-scale paintings? Uh, perhaps in the, in the, in the fabrics. Uh -huh. Of course, all those embroideries and, and the fact that she's not seated, she's really half-lying on, on, on cushions. So that's very oriental. Yes, and, and the colours, I presume, as well. The palettes of these, these big portraits. I tend to think of Academy paintings as quite, quite big and brown <laughs> and bland. But these are bright, aren't they? I mean, that, that, it, this red really strikes me. But the turquoise and the gold as well. And as you said, you know, there's even the exotic plant creeping in. Clérin, the artist, went, went in, in Morocco and in Spain. He was very influenced by uh, Delacroix. Of course, Delacroix was died, but he was very influenced by his works. Mm. And he managed to, to see the place where Delacroix went. And because you, you, you have worked a lot on Delacroix, haven't you? And, and when you put Delacroix, Jericot, those sort of romantic painters, alongside a painter like this, to me that seems quite a contrast. Would you agree? Of course, it is well. Uh, 30 years later or yeah. 50, uh, 50 years later, so it's, it's quite uh, different. That's, it's, it's something crazy when you look at the 19th century uh, history of, of, of paintings. Things are going so quick. I know, and that's it. The contrast between this, and uh, you see it so well in, in, mm -hmm. in your gallery in Le Petit Palais, the speed with which art is changing. You almost turn a corner and the next movement's taking <laughs> place before your eyes. Um, and, and, and this is, again, I suppose, the importance of La Belle Epoque for industry, technology, social mobility. So much is happening in this time, isn't it? I mean, we were just talking about science. You've got Louis Pasteur with pasteurization. You've got Marie Curie with 
<laughs> developing antibiotics. This is a big time of change, isn't it? I think if you were you are going, imagine you're on a, a visitor of the salon or any exhibition in 1900. What is the main artist of the period? It's very difficult. There's so many artists, including uh, survivors. You know? Yeah. <laughs> People. Well, yeah, the yeah, impressionists well, coming through, yeah, even, aren't they? The and Rodin, Alter, but also uh, uh, Boucrot and, and the classical tradition, and they have the young uh, Picasso, and they have uh, and uh, Vandongen is already there doing uh, cartoons. And oh my it, gosh! It, it was certainly very difficult to understand what's happening. There were so many, so many. Uh, artists from everywhere, also uh, thousands of uh, uh, American artists and, and, and Dutch and, and uh, uh, less English yeah. <laughs> than any other country because uh, the, the British tradition was quite different from the continental uh, schools. Uh, it was very confusing to understand what will emerge from that uh, extraordinary uh, period with, with so many. Contradictions. Absolutely. Well, I love this idea of the sort of aged impressionists there alongside, like you say, Picasso and the modernists, and and then this idea of the cultural mix of everybody coming from all over the world to mm-hmm. Paris. Paris was the place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but alongside that as well, you know, when I think about the just the change in attitude that must have been coming about at that time with steam travel, travel by train, the idea of moving fast. Everything seems to speed up, doesn't it? Um, you've got the Eiffel Tower springing up, but but in your own building in, in Le Petit Palais, because that's dated to what, 1903, is it? 1900. Just 1900, bang on. Because that goes up quickly, doesn't it, as well? And they're finding new technological means of getting buildings up. Yes, for example, we have two incredible uh, staircases yeah. were made of concrete, one of the earlier uh, use of concrete. Uh, it, it looks like an 18th century pattern, but it would be impossible to build it with stones. It's recover of fake stones, mm. uh, but it have to be built very quickly, like the roof with the steel uh, and iron uh, constructions. Uh, at that period, also, we have less rule for, less rule for the workers, uh-huh. <laughs> so we could do things very quickly, <laughs> perhaps for that reason. Uh, people were working very hard and uh, with less security than now, unfortunately, uh, which means that in, um, in in two years they succeed to rebuild quite a, a city. Mm. Paris was fairly new at that time, with all, all those boulevards. You know, we, met, we thought that the Osman works was during the Second Empire, but of course, uh, many boulevard and avenue were built a little later, in fact. Mm, well, Hausmann is doing it under Napoleon, isn't he? Yes. And then you get the... But then coming out of that into the Billy Book, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, I suppose, like you say, it's just accelerating, isn't it? <laughs> Happening even quicker. And Le Grand Palais, right opposite your mm-hmm. gallery, the whole construction of that, the ceiling of that, is glass, isn't it? Glass yeah, and glass steel, and which um, new materials are coming in. Not, not, not so new because of, of course you know the Crystal Palace in, uh, in London. We have to give credit to Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> the Palais de l'Industrie in, in Paris, which, which, which is different. Perhaps it's, it's not only the exaltation of the technology, like in 1889 with the Eiffel Tower. Mm-hmm. In 1900, things are recovered with ornament. Uh, it's it's a period where uh, technology is already assumed we know how to do that so we don't need to promote to exaggerate to, and to show obviously this is made of steel you, you can use all those technology to create new shapes 
Oh, I love that idea. So you're almost hiding the workings now. <laughs> Everybody knows that the technology is in place, so you can decorate it, colour it, and you know make it look pretty. <laughs> yes. But in, in a huge scale, which have been would be impossible only with traditional uh, materials. Mm -hmm. mm, yeah, and so, I mean, in a way, we're kind of drawn back to the painting again, aren't we? Because um, I suppose this is a decadent time. This is a, a bright and colourful time. And maybe when we get to World War One, this time does seem a little bit tasteless, perhaps? A little bit frivolous? Would you... Is that how it was perceived? Uh, perhaps that's why this expression, La Belle Époque, is a late uh, invention mm. about the period before the disaster, the First World War. It was very different. In, uh, you know, at the time of the other Universal Exhibition in Paris, uh, 1937, mm -hmm. where, where was the Palais de Chaillot, Le Trocadero. And, uh, it was very different because France was welcoming once again all the nations. But we could see the building of the, the Soviet pavilion, and just in front you have the, the pavilions of the, of the German Reich and mm. so on. So in the middle, a French state was rising a, a column of peace. Uh. But everybody knows that it was very fragile things, and the, so the mood was very different in, for the Universal Exhibition of 1900 than in the, the, the exhibition of 1837. Really? In 1937, people were hoping, trying that perhaps there is some possibility of peace. Of, uh, uh, by education, technology, and so on. Instead, in 1900, you have here, as a guest, uh, the emperor of, of, of uh, Germany and the Tsar of Russia, and wow. so on. And uh, people couldn't imagine that if such it became such a nightmare in uh, uh, f 14 years later. Oh gosh, you know what? Though it feels so prescient at the moment, doesn't it? <laughs> There's this horrible sense in which history cycles round and round and round. This is so interesting talking to you, Christopher. I'm so grateful to you for taking a time out today. Thank you very much. Um, this, you have chosen such a beautiful painting, and I know that the Art Detective listeners are going to adore it. Um, thank you for taking the time out. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this. If you have, you can subscribe to the podcast by going to historyhit.com slash artdetective. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Dr. Yanina Ramirez. Do get over to Paris. Do come and see Le Petit Palais. It's the most extraordinary gallery and museum. I leave you from beautiful springtime Paris. Adieu. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.